Welcome to the Excellent Exo Chat with Bill and Nora. Our podcast is meant to educate, inform, and discuss the ever-expanding topic of exotechnologies. If you are interested in exoskeletons, robots, or automated systems, you should listen to us. We will be discussing how these technologies impact you through chats with experts and users from around the world. Good morning, Nora. How are you doing? Hey, Bill. I'm doing okay. It's, uh, you know, it's Monday again, so it's, it's amazing how that happens. <laughs> It comes around every week. Time is a wonderful thing. It really is. It really is. And, you know, I, I, you know, for the first time probably in a couple of months, you've actually told me what what today's topic is going to be. And the first thing I thought to myself was, oh, Bill, you're bringing up physics first thing on a Monday morning? Like, really? So I have my... uh, I have my extra iced coffee here, and uh, we'll see we'll see how well my physics brain is this morning. <laughs> yeah, my my understanding and physics and coffee go well together. You know, lots of important things have happened with both of those, and and <laughs> I'm not going to dive deep in the physics because you know I barely know a little bit of it. But you know what I thought would be really interesting to talk about today because it it touches so many areas is color perception. Yeah. And I was reading an article over the weekend, a very short article in uh, one of the, the, you know, I'll say high level physics magazines that try to make it simple for us neophytes about what does this actually mean? And they were talking about, Hey, we've, we've had this mathematical model of color perception of how your eye works, right? Mm-hmm. How, do, how yeah. do you see red, green, blue, and all all those other colors that I never know the names of, and somehow are in you know our paints and and colors and everything else. And so, evidently, the way this works, there's there's a mathematical model for color perception, and you know this was developed you know way before I was even born. Uh, I believe so. Yes, way before I was born. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at. I'm looking I think at it's a hundred years 100 old. Hundred years. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and it was by a Nobel Prize winner, uh, Schrodinger. Erwin Schrodinger. Yeah, Schrodinger is very famous. Okay. He also had help from a couple other famous people, uh, Riemann oh, sure. and Helmholtz. And anybody okay. that's in physics or has taken engineering have heard these words uh, and have heard these names of these individuals. And, yeah, I, uh, I do recall them from, funny enough, my 8 a.m. physics course back when I was in university. So. Perfect. <laughs> so, a uh, scientist by the name of uh, Dr. Bujak, I believe mm-hmm. I'm, I may be saying that correctly, uh, her and her team out at Los Alamos looked at these equations that describe color space. And why is it important? Because uh, TVs, uh any kind of robotic thing that uses visual perception, perhaps the things textiles, that textiles, textiles. Yeah. Think about your uh, mobile phone that may be right. using it for, uh, you know, facial ID and all those, all those things, all those image things. They found that the equations don't actually correctly model how your eye perceives color. In in my very naive way of putting it, yeah. and so. That that's kind of crazy in that, you know, the things we're seeing on our TVs and our phones and, and how 
you know, robots and automated vehicles are figuring out perception is based on something that's not exactly right. Right. So when they're they're modeling it, it's not actually coming out how they would how they would assume it would based on this mathematical um, equation, which, you know, which is like you said, is is incredibly interesting. Right. Because if you're using any type of technology that is is like you said using that type of visual space and those colors and they're using a a mathematical equation that isn't technically correct right um that can cause a lot of problems especially if you're having standards that are developed using these equations right and and you know here's here's my sort of simple example of that and some people can see this and some people don't so that's why this is to me is interesting so if you have a newer TV, LED, OLED, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that thing is they're using right now, some people are very sensitive to what is called motion blur. Okay. So explain that. What is motion blur, Bill? So when you have uh, any kind of uh, fast action, mm-hmm. the the... The pixels on your TV aren't able to cycle in in a fast enough rate that your eye doesn't perceive some sort of blur. So it's like when you gotcha. It's like when you like put a filter on somebody to kind of soften everything. So everything yeah. kind of gets soft and it's like it's not quite right. And some people right. are very sensitive to that. And so Okay. And and my point I'm trying to make is is that there's a there's somewhat of a difference between reality. So what's mm-hmm. happening, say, on the, the soccer pitch, right. you know, if you were there in person versus what you're seeing what you're on TV seeing. live. So the, the motion's not exactly the same. So to me, this is very similar. You've got an equation that describes reality, but it's, there's this, I'll say, blur between right. what's real and what is is actually it's calculating. Easy. And so I think that that... For a lot of applications, maybe no problem whatsoever. For certain things where that's important, could be huge problems. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And so I guess, I mean, what do you think this university professor is going to do? Um, Well, I I mean, (laughs) most most, uh, researchers, uh, you know, this, this is... The next thing you do is call for uh, more research and funding to figure out what it, what are the right equations, of right? Course. Yeah, I, of course. I mean, I'm just guessing that's that's normally what what <laughs> happens when you discover an issue. You say, "Hey, we need to look into this. We need yeah, funding and help yeah. to do this." Right? It makes sense. Yeah, right. But you so. know, I think you know, for me, it's like, how does that impact us? You know, yeah. Yo, do it do a. How does this impact me if I'm watching, you know, TV or my computer screen? Maybe my computer screen is not rendering things correctly. And is that mm-hmm. is that important for me? Maybe uh, people out in the I'll say the visual arts and and motion picture and any kind of graphics industry are like, oh, wow, this this could impact me. People yeah. who spend a lot of money on getting things to calibrate their monitors yeah. You know, I I would love to, to hear from them and say, hey, is this a big deal to you or is this not a big deal to you? How What, what do you think of this? You know? Yeah. So it's very, you know, it's very interesting because I'm looking I'm, I'm looking at the article as we're <clears throat> having our discussion and it's 
it's indicating that, you know, the, the model that they're using plots uh, red, green, and blue right. uh, in a three-dimensional space because those are the colors that are most strongly detected, light detected yep. um, in our retinas. And it's, it's saying that, you know, the actual geometry that is used in the mathematical equation and is potentially overestimating the perception of those large color differences. Right. Um, which is just incredible to think, you know, with now, now being able to actually 3D model and getting into, you know, an area within our world, so to speak, where we're so, we're getting advanced, right? I mean, right. we're, we're more, we're so advanced, um, in what we're doing. It's amazing now that, because a hundred years ago, we didn't have this, right? Right. You know, they probably didn't have sophisticated models where they could plug this equation into. They probably, you know, they could probably see it, but it wasn't as sophisticated as we have today. So the margin of error being so small hmm. was probably not detected. So right. it's it's amazing, you know, the different the different leaps and bounds that we've made. I mean, a hundred years is not, you know, is not that long of a time when you when you really take a look at it. It's just it's amazing how our models have changed so significantly that that small margin of error was able to be identified. Right, and and this gets into the bigger topic of this idea of precision. And mm -hmm. how precise do you need to be when you're designing or manufacturing something, right? Because yes. that changes your cost. It changes the, the quality of the material. It mm -hmm. changes the level of maintenance and care something. It may really need. does. A, a yeah. lot of things happen. You mm -hmm. know, we, we were having this discussion around, you know, exoskeletons and other technologies. How precise do they right. need to be? You know, if they're applying a force, how precise does that force have right. to be? How how precise does the fit have to be? How precise right. do the joints have to be? And apply that to any technology. Yeah. Think yeah. of, uh, we were talking this morning about 3D printers. Yep. When, when is it important for your 3D printer to be super duper precise? And when does it not matter? You know? Yeah. And this, and color perception is the same way. You know? Majority of things, you know, if it's mm -hmm. if it's close enough, no big deal. But maybe if you're doing something where the precision of the image color is critical to the overall outcome, then it becomes really important that things are right. Yeah, I mean, it really it brings back to and I again, I don't think I've had enough coffee, but it comes <laughs> back to that that age old saying that you and I and, and a lot of members and. Um, ASTM committee say like don't don't let the want for perfection right get in the way of um, progress progress right <laughs> thank you I couldn't think of the word progress and and you know in, in certain instances right um, that that's understandable right you know you can't have something that is that is completely perfect all the time. Right. Um, I mean, it, you know, just looking at humans, like humans are not perfect all the time. Computers, technology. I, I mean, you know, nothing is nothing is perfect, but we are making we're making progress. But like you said, it does come back to that aspect, like especially when we're looking at safety. Yeah. Um, you know, you really do want that whatever equation, whether it's mathematical or it's an exo technology or it's an autonomous system. I mean, you want to get as perfect as 
as humanly possible. That's my other favorite saying. Um, And, you know, this type of these types of discoveries, you know, just even outside of this, these types of discoveries are going to come out, I feel, you know, over the next century or so as our technology gets more advanced and it gets more um, precise. Yeah, because, and, I, and yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna somewhat disagree with you because okay, all right, yeah, and and this is why because the, I I think it's a bit of a fallacy that getting more and more precise or more and more perfect is the is the optimized output of any technology. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. Go ahead. I have two examples, but but one's about a topic that maybe we won't put in a podcast. I Give think me one this, that I'm going to understand. <laughs> no, no, you'll understand it. But you know, let, let's let's talk about tunnels, right? Gotcha. Yeah, sure. So about hmm, around fifty or so years ago, they decided that they needed a train si- system in uh, Washington D.C. Okay. In order to put the train system in. They needed to dig a lot of tunnels, right? Right. And some of those tunnels had to go underneath the river, and and some mm-hmm. of them went through hard ground. Some of them went through mud. All these kind of things, because DC is okay. a literally it was oh, a yeah. swamp, right? Yeah. Well, they they ran into this exact problem about precision and perfection. So they mm-hmm. built this tunnel, mm-hmm. and they sealed it. It was perfect. No water could get in a tunnel. The train was completely safe. Everybody's like, yeah, we did it. Guess what? What? Tunnel always leaked because the water would degrade the seams and the concrete and eventually leak in the tunnel. And guess what? Because the tunnel was completely sealed, it would fill up. And then basically- So no water could escape. Yes, so, some engineer, a group of engineers, figured out a solution. Mm-hmm. They cut holes in the tunnel right. so that the water could run through and not accumulate in the tunnel. So, right. here's, here's an, a, one example of you don't want it so perfect and so precise that you don't have any, and we say in engineering terms, robustness. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it's it's the same thing of having like if you're making a a, a machine and mm-hmm. you make the metal parts so that they completely the the edges of the part completely align with each other so there's no gap. Guess what? Right. You've just added a huge amount of friction, and so mm-hmm. if you can't get any lubricant in between those two things, this machine will never move. Right. Yeah, so, no, and I totally, I completely agree with you, but one argument that I would say is that even though they thought the tunnel was perfect. Ah, see. It wasn't. I I see. You know what I mean? Yes, I I do. I get your point. Yeah, after they started using it and they started realizing what the issue was, they realized that. In fact, it wasn't perfect. Right. And, and um, it's, it's what your idea of perfect is, right? That's, and that's kind of my point, right? Because when they, when they installed the tunnels, they were like, great, this is perfect. Right. right? Just like when, when these physicists identified this mathematical equation. Yep. It was perfect. Right. But 100 years later, now that our technologies have gotten better, our accuracy has gotten better and precision, we have identified that. Okay, it's actually not perfect. Same thing yeah. with the tunnels. Sure. So, like, you know, 
I, maybe perfect isn't a great word to use. I think what I'm more looking at is that there is always room to to increase the <laughs> <laughs> yeah the perfection, right? All right, <laughs> actual, right. I know it's it's, you know, it's difficult to always, describe, right? right? Yeah, there's always room for modifications. I think is kind of the key, right? Like even when you say like, okay, this is you know going to last forever nothing lasts forever right um you know bridges like that's a that's a that's sure. a huge one like people will say oh this bridge is perfect but then 10 years later they come out with another bridge and it's different materials or it's different composites and it's you know and they're like oh no 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 this one is actually perfect so um, so here's a here's an interesting term that kind of goes along with this and this 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 discussion happens all the time uh as you know, I used to work at NIST, and yep. and the discussion of precision and accuracy comes oh, up, gosh. believe it or not, oh, almost yeah. all the time. Maybe not using those exact words, but the discussion is happening. And they come up a lot in ASTM, too. So. I think so, yeah. <laughs> and, and so here's a different kind of way to describe this, and it's this word called characterized. Okay. How well characterized mm -hmm. is something? And that that changes the overall concept of how well do you understand something. And that's what right. I would argue back to this uh, equation and color yeah. perception. Yeah. This is about how well do we understand the phenomenon of mm -hmm. color perception. What we're what I think they're saying in this paper is that we thought we understood it really, really well, but right. we actually yeah. don't. don't. And yeah. there, and we need to improve our understanding because mm -hmm. that may change how we do things, how we design things, how we process things. Right. And I think that's a that to me is a better way to kind of have the conversation versus yeah. perfection. You know. And I love, yeah, I really love that too because you know, even taking a look at this article, right? I think this article really touches upon a lot of. A lot of things that we're looking at within the exotechnology community right now, because we're, we're constantly talking about precision and bias, how much data is enough data, how right. much research is enough research. Um, and, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line, Bill, when we're still having this podcast, yeah, right. we're, pro <laughs> we're probably going to go back to our original podcast and be like, Oh, oh my, my goodness, God. we knew nothing back then. Of course not. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, even though like right now, where we are right now is such a such a great foundational starting point. And, and you know, Axos have been around for a while now. But, um, you know, the more the more we learn, the more we grow. And uh, I think that this article, even though it is based on color perception, yeah, it really does hit upon so many areas, not just color perception. I mean, it really just goes to show you that Nothing really is perfect. Nothing really is final. And there's always room for for growth. Right. And I think, you know, it, it segues into an area I think we want to talk about in the future, which is like autonomous vehicles so oh, yeah. or semi-autonomous vehicles. And, and you know, all of those vehicles right now use some form of, of visual perception. I'm right. not sure as color is even a part of that, but visual perception. And yeah. then the question gets to me is, whether you're on a, a surface road versus a highway, oh yeah, what's the level of accuracy you need to maintain or precision? Mm -hmm. uh, and then how how fast do you need to be able to do that in order to go right. at highway speeds or, or stuff? And and yeah. you know, 
maybe maybe that that would be an interesting conversation to have maybe we'll get a guest or somebody that kind of works in that space i know the national safety council is very interested about that so maybe something we could bring in yeah absolutely sounds great well thanks so much for the conversation today bill i think this was a really fun different topic and uh, of course if any of our listeners have any questions or want to know more about the article please just drop us a comment on our linkedin page or send bill or i an email Thanks so much, Nora. Take care. Thank you for listening to us today. Please share this podcast with your friends and join us next time.